Good. Hello, guys. Good evening, everybody. Oh, Nick, look what, at that. what are you doing? <laughs> this is this is this is the latest for, thing for those on organised. For those on podcast, when uh, when Nick gets excited, his screen bursts into fireworks. Uh, for those listening, it's, it's incredibly impressive. I think it, it reads it reads hand gestures. Oh, is that right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> no, yeah. well, okay, it's. It's random. For those people on podcast, he just raised two <laughs> fingers to the lens. However, yeah. you can guess yeah. which way round they were. <laughs> Do you like my lighting tonight, guys? Look how look how orangey and isn't it good? Oh, Are you backwards you though, Brady? Lovely. Am I backwards? You mirrored. You always say <laughs> that. How do you know which way your, I am? Your window is usually on the other oh, side. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Oh, there okay. you go. That is much more correct. <laughs> the yes, certificates are in the yeah, right yeah. place now. <laughs> I've, I've moved them out of the way. They were too much like I've got certificates and you guys don't have them up in your walls. And if you did, you'd have loads. So it's like okay, Connor, move your move your certs. Uh, anyway, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I gave enough attention to this little device, guys. For those listening on podcast, I am about to hold up. Oh, it's hot. The boss itself, what, a cup of coffee, a tiny little hot plate. It's tiny, right? And oh, wow. it's chargeable. Nick needs you, that right now. He's rather cold in his room, apparently. Yeah, I'll sit on it. Yeah, I swear to God, it's a little hot plate that holds like a large mug, right? And so, you know the way you're working away, especially if you're doing laptop stuff, so if you're doing anything. I mean, nurses are always talking about reheating their coffee seven times. But uh, now my coffee stays at exactly 78 degrees Celsius, which turns out is the temperature. is It's okay. Uh, but yeah, so I can just lift up my cup and it's always the right temperature. It cost me 15 euro. I mean, it's changed my life. Uh... And you can heat up the dog's bowl in wintertime. So at breakfast time, you can, if you had one of these downstairs, I took it. It was for a dog thing. I actually use it. But uh, you could have it downstairs and you could heat the dog's breakfast if you wanted and it could just be sitting in his little tin box. Really it's nice. not a good idea. Yeah, but you know what? I'm so OCD. I like I like sliding down that temperature gradient. Oh, I don't. And hit and hitting oh, yeah. it just as it gets to the perfect uh, and then you drink it fairly quickly then. Yeah, I, I think the problem... Before it's too hot yeah. and, and afterwards it's too cold. Yeah, that's it. But there's just that sweet spot. But now you have it at the sweet spot all the time. There's no need to panic and gulp it down like a weirdo. Now it just sits there, a large mug of coffee, and I don't have to change it halfway through. Do you have a temperature setting? Do you have a temperature setting that there you is, can just change it to the right it comes temperature? With three. It, comes, it comes with three, which I thought was a bit miserable, but uh, it comes with uh, 85, Tepid. 80, and 75. And then if you change the type of cup, it goes down to 65, 70. So for ceramic, it recommends 70, 78, I think is what that is. It See, I'd, I'd have bought it off uh, some Chinese site like Timu, and of it would course. have come with, there would of have course. come with some setting like tepid, freezing yeah. cold, <laughs> yeah. and scalding hot. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants, I hate a scalding hot cup of coffee. Who serves coffee scalding hot? Nobody wants oh, yeah, a coffee totally. boiling hot. Um, anyway, um, Will it, has it got a thirteen degrees temperature? I, I was just telling them guys that um, the house today for the whole day, which is why I'm wearing twenty layers. Uh, he says holding up two these 20, <laughs> yeah. 20 layers for those uh, listening on the podcast. And I was wearing a puffer jacket until we started. Yeah, <laughs> like something from Back to the Future. And it looks like he's only got a couple of lights on for the camera, and the rest is in darkness. I, yeah. Are you on a uh, cut back? Yeah, Is yeah, this a new year thing? Just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, save electricity. Candles and bulbs. No, I was just saying to them that the, the 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 house has been at thirteen degrees all day, and so I've been absolutely freezing. Apart from the room that the dogs are in, which is toasty because they're by the fire. Of course, the dogs. Which I have to go and then feed 
fire every hour and a half Very just nice. to put a little log on how, to keep how them, nice keep is it that you have a log fire do you know we're thinking about building a house in a while and as we talk mm. about our plans you know you can't have a chimney in ireland uh certainly in the in many of the counties and the county i'm in you can't build a chimney no more chimneys and i thought oh okay i'm getting very annoyed about this and uh, so i'll put in one of my my log burners i've just have a nice one you can control the oxygen to it it's, it's a fancy one and they said no no to chimneys because you can't have an airtight house with a chimney and I'm like, What's, who says I want an airtight house? I'll have a B-rated house instead of an A, I don't care. And uh, he said, no, no, you can't have a chimney. All you can do is knock the house that we're, that's there is like it needs to be knocked. And he goes, you have preserved the chimney. You're not allowed to move it. Preserve the chimney and you build your house around the chimney. That's what people are. I said, are you yeah. serious? That is what the Green Party's <laughs> new idea, electric cars, which is complete nonsense. Beef being the issue, complete nonsense. And now chimneys are definitely the problem. I'm like, oh my. And these things are so efficient. You know, so there's only one type of log burner you can have in Ireland, and it's completely sealed. And it's got a little tiny window, so you can see the flame. But it's a big orthopedic-looking yoke in the middle of your house. It's, so you can't have this lovely fireplace that you'll have some couches around. That's not on offer. You have to build that outside and have your couch outside in your porch. That's what the architect recommended to me. I said, a couch outside with a fire? I said, I live in, in Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that really sunny place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was so annoyed. Oh, I was so annoyed. Anyway, what can you do? Welcome, You're everybody. You're even on the wrong coast for the, uh, for the uh, sun going down, so you can't even sit out on your yeah. porch and watch the sun. And the house is facing the wrong way currently, but we're, we're set to change that, so it's, it's all wrong. Um, I'm going to take this earbud out. There's something wrong. My ears don't hold the earbuds, but my right ear... Well, I don't either. That's the story. Uh, it's, it's, a sign just... of, it's a sign of genius. Ah, good. My is brain right? is pushing Connor, it out. That's what it is. My, yeah, my, I can't my stand those. Oh, the, the, yeah, the MacBook ones. No, the, the normal Mac. And the iPods ones. Oh, I can't. No, yeah. can't be doing so those. one one ear will you one ear will do. Guys, we are Raw Pet Medics. Um you will catch us on patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. Uh thanks to all that are on there. We see you and we deeply appreciate you. Helps you helps us keep the show on the road. Thank you. So uh thanks to all. And you can get us on your podcast wherever you listen to that. Pete our sound guy, thank you uh for bearing with us. And so Yes, that is what we're doing, and uh, we are going to be talking about mycobacterium tonight, which I have to admit was a new enough word to me until I saw something a few months ago, but it turns out mycobacterium, one of the examples of that would be TB. So does anybody want to start us off, Bren, do you want to start us off a bit about, um, what do we start, how do we start off this conversation? Oh, wow. Well, well I'm, how about I'm going to start it with, with the story that I told last week, so sorry if anybody was here last week. It, because we, how did we get on to dairy cows? Were we talking about? Uh, Brian was talking about sleeping with dogs. I think was it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> are you going to tell your sleeping with cows story? Is it? Tell me no, that. No, 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 no. No, no. That's for that's well, for much that much later. A good job, ben. Okay, so so the story goes like this: that uh, back in the old uh, in the old days, pre-industrial days. Everybody lived in, in villages and, 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 well, not everybody. There were cities, but they weren't that big. And you would have farmer Giles down the road or you'd have a cow in the back garden who would be exposed to sunlight and grass and, uh, and the, the cows were had, had a, a relatively good life. And then with industrialization, people moved into the cities and they had to try and feed these, these people. And so uh, milk was part of the diet. And so what they, what they thought is rather than bringing the milk 200 miles, because it'll 
degrade going into the city from you know mid mid Oxfordshire to get to Oxfordshire to London is going to take you a long time and your milk's going to go off. So what they said, I know, let's move the cows. So they moved the cows into the cities where they cooped them up in horrendous conditions and fed them on brewers' grains and other cheap fare that they could get in the city because there's not a lot of pasture in the city last time I looked. And so the welfare and the innate health of these cows reduced and so they and and what happened is cows because their immune systems were poor and their general health was poor they they where they may have been carrying tb before but not expressing it they now started to express it and they were pumping out tb tubercul uh, uh, mycobacterium tuberculinum into the milk and it was giving lots of people in the cities tuberculosis and which is what spurred Pasteur to come along and say, I know I can pasteurize this milk to kill the mycobacterium. Whereas, in fact, the right answer would have been was to get the cows out and bring the milk in on the new railways. OK, but they didn't. They just said, right, let's, let's pasteurize the milk. And that solved the problem without solving the problem. And from that day to this, we've been hot housing more or less i mean more or less are dairy cows and they do get access if they're lucky to to grass most of them do but there there is quite a lot of stress in the dairy industry and they get foot problems they get a lot of mastitis and so we haven't quite solved that let's have really happy cows producing happy milk so that we can go back to raw which is a very very healthy commodity that's the story that, that started you know, us on this. Talking about theory. stress and milking, um, there was a really interesting... I went out to see uh, a friend of ours who runs a local kennels in Cattery. Mm. And uh, her husband does um, the new robotic milkers. So these allow cows to voluntarily go in to be milked. Mm -hmm. um, so that it reduces the stress. So they can be out on pasture. They walk in. They uh, they get milked, obviously it just effectively relieves them of having a, a heavy yeah. udder. Um, yeah. And they literally volunteer. So some of them will go four times a day, some will go three, some will go two, you know, and wow. they literally Jeez. just choose their own. Uh, and the, um, the machines monitor who's coming back. So they look, work out how much to feed, what to feed. They're constantly monitoring health as they walk into the parlor. It's, you know, through the scanning and, and everything else. So really interesting Ooh, so changes like in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AI milk indeed. <laughs> AI well, and I cows mean, usually comes up with something totally different. Yeah. <laughs> like... I, I am. I must be the last person to realise this. That pasteurisation is because of pasture. Louis. Oh God! Really? I cannot what? believe what? it. <laughs> yes, it's so obvious. Really? Oh, God. <laughs> I knew Pasteur came up with that process. I knew if that was a table quiz question, I would have got that. But I never thought Pasteurization. Like, you wouldn't call it Bradyization. I mean, it just sounds like a team of guys. I've got a new you process. Would, I thought Brady, it was you would. I would, actually. Yeah. You would, would. When he was coming up with his product names early. Yeah. <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> so, is, is, that, is, is TB one of the diseases that we gave to cattle? Because we consumption, Ooh. it wasn't consumption, it wasn't that running through the UK at the time, wasn't that no, the no, big no, issue? Right, okay, 
let's let's talk about TB. So Mycobacterium, okay, is a bacterium which is found across all mammals. Okay, it will affect all mammals. There are some specific bird types that can actually also affect people. There are uh, some uh, other bacterial infections of the, the chest. It will affect you in different ways depending on how you get it. So if you get it through breathing in, you know, exhaled and sputum, you know, aerosoled bacterium, yes, you may get the chest version. However, if you consume it through infected meat or infected milk, you will actually get an interesting um, lymphadenopathy, especially affecting the abdominal organs. Um, and this creates you know, horrible internal abscesses through the liver, spleen, you know, lymph nodes of the, um, uh, the, the gut, so through the payers' patches, etc. Not necessarily causing you know, Ooh, any of the typical lung pictures. This, are you saying the same bacteria that will give you two different types of pathologies, depending on how you yeah. get Depending on how in? it affects you. Wow, so the, the one thing that the body does to try and fight the mycobacterium is it walls it off, okay? So the granulation that it creates around it, the, the purulent material, um, effectively starts to calcify, becomes a caseous um, encasement, and the fibrous layer starts to wrap around it because the body isn't really able to truly destroy those bacterium. Uh, it can wall it off, and it can often then sit quietly, you know, just there, you know, seeming to be doing nothing until your immune system drops, and then you can get full-blown. So we're seeing um, a lot of people who have had TB coming in, you know, when they emigrate in, but if they get another disease which suppresses their immune system, then the NHS suddenly they're taking X-rays now, and all of a sudden they're getting re-emergence of um, you know TB. So things like HIV would be a classic to suppress the immune system, and that's when you can get suddenly expression of um, TB again. So, so look, this is a hot potato, and I'm going to start. I'm going to throw this in straight away because it's a good time to do it as any. Uh, so, Westerners of a hundred or a thousand uh, Westerners that walk around with TB, only one in 10 will show disease, will, will kick in with a disease. And the CDC states exactly what you state. So it's quite prevalent. You have tens of thousands of people walking around with this uh, and uh, only one in 10 do. And they say that it, it, it all comes down to train again, doesn't it? So if, if, if it's only 10% turn up with the disease, that does eerily remind me of the whole issue with the, with the polio virus type thing which now looking back we do know that it was most likely not virus related because so many people came down with polio myelitis without the virus uh, and then there was like 900 kids in detroit had polio myelitis not one had the virus and and it's why the, the vaccine there's a question about it the point was it takes a certain terrain and at the time for polio virus back in the day it was all the heavy metals that were being used in fertilizer it was a the new thing and as a weed killer particularly and they started using a lot of weed killer and this disease started kicking in in the towns that use the heavy metals. Listen, the book that you have to read, I've, I've talked about it before, it's called The Moth and the Iron Lung. It's the best book you're going to read, short little book that explains this. 
the point was he said, it all came down to terrain. When these people were sickened properly with heavy metals, polio virus, yes, could get in, as with other things, because it would get in through the gut. So um, that was one thing. And where it got in was where the disease would get you the worst. So it, there was different types of poliomyelitis, and if it got into your stomach, it was closer to your spine, so you'd get it. Anyway, it explained it all wonderfully. So coming back to the TB thing, uh, if only one in 10 uh, come down with the disease, the CDC highlighted four things that make it more likely to get TB, if you, uh, the disease, if you have TB. And the first one was HIV, which today is, is very, very manageable. And the other three were like very, very obvious, like uh, malnutrition, which is, you know, if you're a malnutrition, you're more likely to get the virus or the disease will kick in, which is, kind of makes sense. Diabetes, which uh, at least is, is, is a discussion for another day, maybe. And those who smoke. They're the top four people who kick in with it. And I just thought, wow, so very, very manageable other issues that if you didn't do these things, which are more likely to result in disease in your environment, then the disease doesn't kick in, which suggests, uh, which is, it's just interesting. It's just interesting that it's not like a so, natural born killer. So something that was really interesting. So we in the UK had a bit of an outbreak in pets um, back in 2015, I think it was that, that far back now. Um, and in in uh, from venison, you mean? Yeah. Well, we had we had an outbreak in cats. Sorry, I'm talking about in our companion animals, and mm. you know uh, it was really interesting because um, a lot of work was done at Edinburgh University, um, and they uh, I had a chat to them uh, about this particular outbreak, um, particular type uh, of of TB which. Um, actually could be found in the rodents and mice, rats, other mammals within many of the households where uh, those cats were affected, but not all of them. That's why they identified it down to a common source of venison meat that they were being fed. But it could have been and a lot of these households, you know, the, even the environmental health did a study to show that a lot of the households, the humans also had exposure to that TB, but as you say, had no clinical signs because mm-hmm. they were otherwise okay. You know, they were, they were fine because they didn't have immune suppression, et cetera. Now, what about vitamin D, guys? Yeah, yeah. Because there's a whole thing about fresh air. And when you get fresh air and you go to the mountains and what have you, you also get lots of sunlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know the treatment in the old days? You'd go up to a sanatorium in Switzerland or you'd go to the sea and what have you. What about vitamin D? Because we now know that it's just massive when it term- in terms of immunity against foreign invaders, uh, bacteria, so viruses. Something and, that and I like would just like to point out for that. It was only these mm. cats that were affected because mm. there was a genetic trait towards um, them taking the bacteria and producing mm. disease. So actually, um, there were quite a lot of cats that wouldn't get disease, even if you fed them it. And it was almost like the difference between cats that suffer from feline infectious peritonitis and get a wet FIP Versus those that just get exposure to coronavirus and then just have a, um, a very mild diarrhea and then get over it. It's almost that they, 
their immune system has been activated to almost receive and become uh, an abnormal response, which causes this abscessation within the gut lining, within the abdomen, you know, causing these other symptoms uh, rather than it necessary. And these cats were then not, you know, breathing out um, TB sputum or anything like that. It was just enclosed abscessation. So the risk in animals is that if they get TB, if those abscesses aren't picked up by the meat inspection and are consumed, and these can be you know, really small um, uh, abscessation. So if it goes into mincemeat or something like that and then is used in cooking, um, if it wasn't cooked properly, there's a risk that you would consume it and then get um, the TB from that meat. Or if you're feeding it raw to your pets, they obviously it wouldn't be killed off by the heat process, therefore you'd be getting it. But it isn't every animal. They have yeah. to be predisposed to forming these abnormal substances. So, so to marry up what Nick and, and myself are saying there and what you're saying is that if certain animals are affected, which begs the question, what is it about them that makes them susceptible to disease? Mm. So when Nick just Nick says vitamin D and you just you go straight to you go straight to scholar. And it's just lots of very convincing studies about vitamin D. It's been reported that various factors may influence the incidence and progression of TB. The very first one they say uh, is vitamin D deficiency. And there's three studies listed after them, and two of them are enormous. And it's like, wow. So something makes the, like you, you, you mentioned a, um, a, a genetic factor there, uh, Bren. But is there environmental factors that make you more susceptible to, you know, the virus kicking in, which is which was the case. I guess that's epigenetics and where we start to get all of the extra uh, stuff outside of that. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, and then, so, so absolutely, so vitamin D, and that that's actually something that was raised. Uh, a really interesting point because you talked about um, Angus Angus Dalgleish, Prof Angus Dalgleish, oh, yeah. who was looking at a vaccine for melanoma. I've got some interesting stuff on on uh, Professor Angus Dalgleish. Now, uh, I think we I think we all came across him on yeah. uh, our friend John Campbell. Doctor John Campbell is is a big noise on YouTube, and he's done three because he was so smitten with Doctor Angus Dalgleish, who's quite a guy actually. He's a character, and he did the first interview what about three months ago, maybe. Yeah. And in very rapid time, he was back on. Um, and and uh, Angus Dalgleish has got uh, some interesting clinical information to share on the last three years because he's been looking at, at, at cancers and melanomas and infection. He was a, he was a big uh, pioneer within HIV back in the day. So he, 560 publications in melanoma alone. He's there. He's the melanoma guy. Wow. So when the guy speaks okay. about melanoma or cancer, you're talking to the high, most highest published scientist on the yeah. planet on the subject. He's very, very well um, appointed. You know, he, he, he knows everybody and, and is, until recently, was thought very highly of. Okay, but that's another story. However, getting back to the mycobacterium. So what he's got, I've got some notes here. I'm just going to look at those. So. If you want to see this story, because I'm going to tell you some stuff which is really quite impactful, have a look at uh, 
Dr. John Campbell, his channel on YouTube. Uh, I found it massively helpful over the last three, four years. He's, he's a, just a, a voice of, of no nonsense and a great reason. And so you go ahead, Angus, Angus Dalgleish, he's had him on two or three times and they happened to get onto the subject of, they, took, they were talking about vaccination. And, he, and, and Angus Dalgleish said, there's a very interesting thing. I've been using a mycobacterium vacci uh, as, a, as a T cell booster with my melanoma patients. Yeah, these people have got melanoma, and that's bad news in many people in, in humans, unfortunately. And he said, it was remarkable because I was, I was, it's not a vaccine because it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't alert the body to one protein, which is kind of the classic version of a, of a vaccine. It generally upregulates your T cells. Yeah, you've got your B cells, which produce antibodies. You've got your T cells, which are innate. They, they're kind of hand-to-hand fighting with, with infections and things like this. And he said that he was doing a trial for melanoma. It was going, going swimmingly on the back of a tr- another trial for pancreatic cancer, which also went amazingly with this mycobacterium vacci. I've put some information onto Patreon for people. And he said, it was really remarkable. All my patients who were on the mycobacterium vacci shot for their, for their melanoma, and these guys, they're ill, and they're, they're kind of 60s, 70s, maybe even 80s, None of them got COVID, and if they did, they had a snivel for a day or two, and then they came sailing out the other end. So he thought, this is very interesting. Have we got an improvement in immune function, primarily uh, uh, natural killer cells, T cells, uh, T cell activation? And he thought, this is amazing. This is one jab, which seems, early days, seems to have a protective effect against Pancreatic cancer seems to have a, 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 a protective effect against melanoma. And actually, he went on to say, and they've produced this stuff called imodulin. Oh, no, imodulon, I-M-M-O-D-U-L-O-N. And you can find it in modulon.com. I put it into, into Patreon. And he says it is useful in very, very many cancers because it it upregulates your T cells. And he said, well, what happens in humans is that when you get to about 55, your T cell strength just declines, oh. as does everything else, let's face it. And, you know, I, I know because I've got over that <laughs> threshold in a, in a big way, down. in a small way. <laughs> everything is on a downhill spiral. And he says, uh, there is a correlation between your, your T cells going down like this and cancer coming up like this. Everybody knows that uh, the older you are, the more likely you are to get cancer. Unfortunately, my father died of cancer. So this is close to my heart. And he said pancreatic cancer, melanoma, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, all these things seem to, to, to uh, respond very favorably to the use of this one size fits all product imodulon okay and it does it upregulates your immune system it seemed at the time to protect from covid in these people who were doing the trial 
Makes sense. Fantastic. How amazing is that? And so uh, the Imodulon is, is Mycobacterium obuense because Mycobacterium vacai is a bit difficult to kind of put into production. And they found that Mycobacterium obuense does just as well, but is much more uh, amenable to, to the process. What they found is actually with the vacai, if you give one shot, you get a great response. If you give two, you get an even better response. If you give three, the, the improvement falls off a, off a cliff. Ooh. But with the ob, ob, obuensi, what they did is they had to heat treat it. Yeah, the vacai was, was, was... And that's the difference between the, the BCG vaccine, which we the BCG, all think the BCG about. is attenuated live, yeah. that's right. Whereas the obuensi is heat treated. Yeah, yeah they, they, they warm it up. So it kind of goes to sleep and, and and they can put that in and you can repeat, 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 repeat the dose of this uh, Imodulon and you continue to get this T cell response. So I'm not making any claims. I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm just saying this is very, very interesting from the top man in one of the... Very, very prevalent cancers in the UK. And if this rings any bells or chimes with you, then have a look at the John Campbell, Angus Delgleish, have a look at the Modulon and do a little homework in that direction. I think it's it's very, very, very that. exciting. Thank you for that. I mean, when you hear the interview, the reason the guy fell out of uh, favour slightly with his peers, not with us or anybody, many others, but... Um, what Nick alluded to at the start, but, you know, it's just because, you know, the guy was involved then in, in some of the COVID stuff. And he said, look, I'm seeing a lot of cancer patients. And then he just has some thoughts on that. And, but you're not allowed to have thoughts. So, yeah, uh, but the, the point was, he was saying that he was struggling to get this vaccine over the line. And uh, just listen to the interviews of why he thinks that is. This is an incredibly effective, it's not even a vaccine, whatever. It's like, it's almost like an immune it's booster. Not it's, just, it's an immune yeah, stimulant. it's just because it comes in a bloody yeah. syringe. It's so tempting to call it a vaccine. But um, yeah. but it's in this immune booster and it is highly effective, and he's struggling. This is the head guy in the in his in his field, and he's struggling to get these uh, even the appropriate kind of studies over the line to really prove to people that this is incredibly effective for all cancers. And it's uh, I just I just get the darkness off that I just go, oh, this is incredibly effective. This is something everybody would love a little shot of in September. And uh, anyway, uh, compare that to the BCG vaccine that's out at the moment. Um, which has been around for about 100 years. Like, when people get TB, they pass it to each other, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, so if it, I guess if it came in through the lungs, you pass it via aerosol, which sounds like uh, other diseases. But um, TB is just behind COVID for, uh, for infectious killers in the world. It's the 13th biggest killer in the world, so it does lay people out TB, and it's the second most infectious virus out there behind COVID, depending on um, uh, what, where we are with COVID. But the BCG, here's an analysis, here's the, the latest review on Scholar in 2022 of BCG. A, a protective effect of this BCG vaccine up to 10 years following infant vaccination. Um, and the effectiveness up to five years is 17 to 86%. Uh, so like when you've got an aerosol kind of spread, highly infectious uh, disease, and the, the, the confidence intervals are 17 to 86% is the best you'll do. Uh, which gives an average of, uh, which it doesn't sound like it's the right average, but it is, you know, it works, is 66%. So 66% coverage from the BCG vaccine. So if you've got 10,000 kids, 
three and a half thousand of them would be walking around not protected. Now, for errors, you know, so that is, that's, wow, I mean, there could be improvements made here. And you would hope that the BCG vaccine was, would be really effective. But I'm not quite sure how effective it is. But after 10 years, I mean, it plummets down to the, the, the figures plummet. And then reboosting with the, with the BCG vaccine, uh, not recommended. So it's not, they don't do a second boost. You've got up to 10 years protection. After 10 years, there isn't something out there. Um, well, this so is what you were saying. It, it's, it has a deleterious effect if you continue to vaccinate with the BCG. So if you, yeah, if you, if you give amazing. one, you're okay. If you give the second you, as a boost, you may be all right. But if you give a third, then you just start to almost get which adverse is, effects. Yeah, which is what a lot of people were flagging three or four years ago. But now, apparently, you can just take six, seven, eight shots. It's great. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, okay, let's not talk yeah, about the war. That's, uh... B, yeah, BCG, BCG and other uh, genetic uh, vaccine, no, genetic injections are pretty much about as different as they can yeah, get. Definitely. Yeah. One's been around for 100 years and is a just, you know, is a, is a, is a bacterial yeah. uh, preparation of some sort. And the other one is, is ultra new and it relies on, uh, you know, spikes and yeah. things like that. And, and, and mRNA. Not lots of not just lots of other good old fashioned in the vaccines. Yeah. Anyway, let's not even go there. Yeah. So just to, just before we finish here, I just want to put people's minds at ease. How does um, humans can catch uh, TB pretty handy? Okay, so it is possible for us. That's why we're so concerned about it. So it is possible. Tell us answer some quick questions. Um, two questions: Can you catch TB from your cat or dog? And second, second of all. How do off dog food producers protect us from TB when they're serving us wild, uh, wild prey, wild dog food? I would suggest it is very, very, very unlikely that you would catch it from your dog or cat, purely and simply because the type of TB that they'd end up with is usually through consumption. And if they've consumed it, they would get an internal abscess. And unless you open that abscess up and then consume it or you know, inhale it, then the likelihood of you picking up that um, bug is virtually non-existent. Virtually you know? so, so, and you're not going to eat your cat, let's face it, you know, yeah. or you shouldn't yeah. be eating your cat. <laughs> and did yeah. you hear that China yeah. banned Stop. the farming of dogs for meat? Finally, it's been banned. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's... Um, yeah. So that, the, but the, the, so the, the consumption is so unlikely that actually it's really okay. not a problem. So then you're back to what do uh, food companies, uh, our pet food companies, do, especially in the raw market, to protect our pets from getting TB? Let's do that on Patreon. Okay, Brent. Okay. Because that's oh, that's a hanger. Another, another very good. I've got a second hanger. I've got a second hanger before we jump over. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys when we jump over. What percentage of TB in the US is from beef? Is linked to beef TB? Comes from comes from comes from cattle. What percentage of all the cases? um, Wow. So Scott's analysis invested. I'm not going to tell you. Investigated all reported cases of TB in the United States from 2006 to 2013 and found bleep. Of all cases in this time period <laughs> to be infected with bovine people. Oh, what you're a tease, Connor. You're a tease. 
They oh, love yeah. you for so it, but you're a tease. <laughs> guys, let's also talk about raw milk. Uh, Connor, can you find um, any stats on how many people get any type of problem from raw milk? Yeah. And we'll talk a... about it in, okay, in Patreon. Okay, have, have a figure. Okay, good. Yep. Great. That's where it all started, cool. when we were talking about raw goat's milk. Anyway. That's where it all started. Hey-ho. Oh, is that? Oh, right. There you go. There you go. These things, the full circle. Right. Thank you very much. It's been great to be here talking about uh, mycobacteria, of which... Well, I didn't know very much until no. a few weeks ago. So that's it's it's fascinating. It's brilliant, and it's very important. You know, it's one of the biggest diseases in the world. It affects you know badgers and cattle, and cattle and badgers. Who knows who is affecting who? It's it's a real biggie. So that's fantastic. I've put the that 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 fascinating link on uh, onto uh, Patreon. So that's there. So you've got that. If anybody, you know, if that if that rings any bells, well, no. If that resonates, you've got family members who are in some 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 situation, then you that's a that's a link. No promises, but I, you know, I don't even know whether they they're still producing the stuff or whether they you can get on a trial or what have you. But there it is. That's that's our gift to you this evening. We're going to go over to Patreon now. Thank you very very much. Thank you to our. Patreon supporters, yeah. uh, this is for you. Thank you. 